Hi, welcome to Queering Little Women, the podcast about Joe March, a trans man trying to make it as a writer in Concord, Massachusetts in 1860s. Chapter 7, Episode 7, Amy's Valley of Humiliation. Uh, hi, welcome to Queering Little Women. I'm Joe, And I'm Maggie. And this is Queering Little Women, Chapter 7, Episode 7, Amy's Valley of Humiliation. In this chapter, Amy reveals to her siblings that she's deeply in debt. She's been eating pickled limes from all her friends, and now she's expected to have limes of her own to share. Meg lends Amy the money to buy 25 limes, which she brings to school. Amy is instantly and briefly the most popular girl in school but she overplays her hand by snubbing Jenny Snow. The revengeful Snow tattles to Mr. Davis, who detests the odor of the fashionable pickle. (laughs) We learn limes are contraband. Amy has to throw her limes out the window to Irish children whom she fucking hates. (laughs) I have so much to say about that. (laughs) And to add injury to insult, Mr. Davis hits her hand and makes her stand in front of the class for 15 minutes. Amy runs home. Marmy is angry at Davis for hitting Amy and at Amy for breaking rules and being conceited. Amy is withdrawn from school. Joe picks up her school supplies, and the family has a quiet evening at home with Lori. All right. Should we talk about the Irish children? What should we talk about? Uh, We could talk about so many things. First of all, I read this chapter last night, and then I was kind of annoyed at myself for reading it so late before Mm -hmm. the recording because I would have made us pickled limes. Oh, my God! Do you know how to pickle? No, lime? but the internet surely does. And sure. so I would have looked it up. Oh. I will make us pickled oh, limes for next you. time. So we can be cool like Amy. Yeah. So we can suck on pickled limes. It does not sound appealing. It sounds fucking disgusting. <laughs> I can't wait. It also, because I think my understanding of it and from reading the annotations, maybe there's a long annotation about pickled limes. Oh, which really? I can read or you can read it later mm-hmm. if you want. Um, explaining them, but I think they pickle them whole. Yeah, it's like an entire lime. Wow. So I think you put, I can't, I don't know if I can fit a whole lime in my mouth. How big is a <laughs> bag of 24 limes? I know, how does she, like, it must, she must go. I've always been imagining that they were miniature limes for some reason. Well, I think I always imagined that they were like, like slices, slices of sure. lime. Yeah. Like whole lime. Not whole fucking pickled limes. <laughs> that sounds sour. It sounds very sour and salty if it's pickled yeah. in a brine. Salty sour. Salty sour? <laughs> just thinking, just reading the annotation makes my mouth water with that, like, with you know, you're not you're good just, mouth water? Well, it's like your mouth, my mouth is watering, like, in preparation to deal with something really <laughs> sour <laughs> and salty. Sure, you sure. Know? I'm doing that too now. I know, right? I can't stop just thinking about it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to make us fucking pickled limes. Okay, I can't wait. <laughs> We will report next week on Queering Little Women what do pickle limes really I think we should record it. Oh, yeah. As like an (laughs) ambulance track. Okay, well, so I know that we came out of this chapter with very different views on Amy. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Amy still. (laughs) So this is what I want to say. I'm not going to like her next chapter either. (laughs) So, okay. One thing that, the first thing that I noticed in this chapter, Amy says, I just wish I had a little of the money Lori spends on that course, she added. As if to herself, yet hoping her sisters would hear. 
Now, I know. I know she's being super annoying. Yeah, she's so annoying. I can't stop rolling my eyes. She's so annoying. Stop rolling your eyes. Here's the thing. I am the youngest child in my family. So am I. You should be more fucking sympathetic with Amy. Because this is the thing. When you're the youngest. I, feel I am like, the youngest. Which, when like you and I, people uh-huh. who are the youngest, I feel like I would do shit like you're that. You're the youngest of how many? Of three. I'm the youngest of four. You're better I'm than me. I'm four of four, just like Amy. You're just like Amy. <laughs> Except for that I'm like Joe. Maybe you're Amy. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is the thing. When you're the youngest, as you may remember, uh, you're, if your older siblings are terrible like mine were, everything you do is annoying to them. What are your siblings' names? Brian and Patrick. Shout out to Brian and Patrick for being terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you, Brian and Patrick. <laughs> They're my favorite brothers. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, they would never listen to this podcast. <laughs> but your mom is going to listen. They're way too terrible. She knows. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, I feel like everything I did was just infuriating to them, but, like, they probably did the same thing when they were my age. You know what I mean? So I feel like, yeah, everybody goes through a phase where they're, like, trying to figure out how to be cool mm-hmm. and do social things, and they experiment with stuff like... Saying stuff, pretending it's to yourself, sure. but you want people to hear you. Sure. And if you're an adult and you see a kid doing that, it's like, oh, that's funny. They're trying stuff. And if you're like two or three years older than them, you're sure. just like, I fucking hate that kid. Stop. Sure. So that's part of it is like, I saw that as really annoying. And then I was like, you know what? She's like 12. Yep. Like maybe the reason you hate Amy is because 12 year old girls are going through some weird shit and they do some weird shit in response to that. I hate Amy because she's horrible. Okay. But... <laughs> I think when I was 12, I probably did a lot of the things that we think are horrible. Did you burn a manuscript? Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk about chapter 8 and chapter 8. Well, I'm just saying. Okay, I, I didn't I, do that. I, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> and you never will. She burned your manuscript <laughs> in your previous life as Joe Mars. I haven't forgotten. Anyway, that's my defense of Amy is that okay. partly she seems annoying because this is basically through her older most awkward point years. of view at her sure. most awkward years. Thank you. Um, the next thing, my next note is Pogs. Because I remember when I read this book when I was Pogs? a kid. Oh my god, I used to collect Pogs. You remember yeah. they came in the little plastic tube and you would put them all in there? I left them at this girl's house and she never gave them back to me. She stopped being my friend what? and she never gave me my Pogs back. She's like the Jenny Snow. Of I had so many. Life. I had Pogs with like eight balls on them. Yeah, yeah. Did you have Slammers? Oh, yeah, of course. You had to have Slammers. I never played Pogs. I had Pogs, but I did not even know how you would play with them. Um. Well, I don't think I ever really played with them. Yeah. I mean, maybe I definitely had the Slammers, which were basically just plastic pogs that just were a little thicker bit thicker. Pogs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. In Cambridge, New York, we used to go over to Raz McCauley. He had like a little shop in his house where he sold pogs to Oh. To, in to, his house. To children, yeah. Wow. Weird. It might seem creepy, but his wife Pam was my mom's really good friend, so I it didn't I was I wasn't scared. And I used that's to cool. ride my bike over there and buy pogs for they were they were like a quarter each. So anyway, I was thinking that uh-huh. that's sort of like lime. You know, just like the, I was, because I remember when I sure. read this, I was like, what is she, how can, like, a fruit Pickled be lime? in fashion? Yeah. And what do you mean? But then I was like, oh, there were so many fads like this, that it was just like, you have to own this weird little object. Yeah. And they, they're in the annotation, which you can read later, there's a whole fucking history of pickled limes and how they became popular. Were they, po- were they popular in real life? They were. Oh. They were popular in real life. And, but it was a fad, and I think it was only in New England. Right. And it was because they, like, 
brought limes over on a boat and they brined them in order for them to like stay and then right, people right, sort right, of right. like because it's not like they could grow limes in Massachusetts. Right. They started liking that um that flavor and then they became really popular with children, you know, essentially. That's the yeah. average version. Anyway, so I thought that was funny that fads of weird little cheap objects that oh children God. could have. Like nano babies. Yeah. Or <laughs> Tamagotchis yeah, or yeah. whatever. Uh-huh. Um jelly pens, keychains. Oh, the slap bracelets. Slap bracelets. <laughs> I'm a little too young for snap bracelets, but yes. I had one when I was like four. I had a snap bracelet. Yep. But I would just, I just hated it because it hurt when my brother would snap it on me. I know. I didn't, I never really was super into those. Late, more lately, it's been, do you remember those dinosaur silly bands? They're like rubber bands that when they weren't stretched, they looked like things. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah, I was yeah, working yeah, at the yeah, children's yeah. museum, all the kids had silly bands. That was a thing a few years ago. That's really weird. Yeah. Okay. So here's a quote that I just thought was funny. So I'm going to read it. Do it. Um, if she's mad with her, she eats one before her face. And yeah. Don't eat. Even offer a suck. Uh, <laughs> I don't even offer a suck. <laughs> you can't even have one suck. That's Amy on Lyme. And she's actually suffering for one. That's what Amy said. She's I know, suffering for one. Suffering. And I was like, oh, so you're a Lyme addict. <laughs> like, because that's how it sounds. You're suffering for one. I think it's really sweet that Meg gives Amy money. The rag money. The wait, where does it say that? It says that in the in the movie. I remember seeing yeah, the word rag here, money. Too. Yeah, it's not in mine. Oh, yeah, there. it's in here. Rag money in mine, and then there was an annotation where about rag money. Where does it say money. that? Well, because Amy says it's not my turn for the rag money this month or something like that. Oh, mine doesn't say that. Mine says. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, rag money. Rag she money. says, "She says I need it so much. I'm dreadfully in debt, and I and won't it won't be my, be my turn to have the rag money for a month." You're right. I just thought Meg was paying from her salary, maybe because Meg, you know, Meg has a job. Oh, maybe yeah. she gives her a fucking quarter and she wastes twenty four cents of it. I know. It's <laughs> just saying. Not entirely her fault. I mean, it's kind of her. It it's, is her fault. It's her fault. It is. It, her fault. it is her fault. Even Marmy says it's her fault. Um, I mean, the corporal punishment is not her fault, but the. The, the rest of it is her fault. And yeah. quite frankly, I agree with Marmy because I'm happy that the limes went to little Irish children. <laughs> I'm happy. Because clearly those children needed the goddamn limes yeah. more than her Amy and her fancy other friends ways of getting who them. are going to a private school. Yeah, seriously. Private school. Share some of your fucking limes. Oh, God. Um, anyway. I would like to notice how <laughs> gross it sounds to say a moist brown paper parcel. It's, and it's a big paper parcel if it's got 24 <laughs> limes in it and they're all wet because How they just she she hide tongs them out of the fucking briny they jar. They have to be like miniature limes. Well, when I pickle the limes, I'm pickling an entire goddamn lime. <laughs> so you better start doing... Pickle do, 24 of them and bring do, them over. Do some mouth stretches so that you can fit a whole lime in your mouth. <laughs> uh, I'll just have a suck. <laughs> I'll just have a suck of yours. <laughs> Won't even give you a suck. Um, okay, so here's an annotation that I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. um, and it's in reference to when Amy is talking about Jenny Snow and how horrible she is mm-hmm. and how Jenny's like being nice to her even though she was a bitch to her before yeah. and all this stuff. So the annotation I thought was a little bit more judgy than they usually are. Usually they're more sort of factual. So yeah. it says... Amy's earlier inability to return the favors of limes in her friends demonstrates the problem of both the genteel poor and those truly in poverty. She feels humiliated, 
that she has taken but not returned the uh -huh. favor. Amy, however, needs to learn to give freely, as shown earlier with Marmy's gift, to think less of herself and more of others. Lou espouses here Christian charity, as when Paul says, and now they're going to quote the Bible. Bible time. I have shown, 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 spelled with a W? Showed, yeah, with, a, with an E. Yeah. You, all things, how that is so laboring, ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, Acts 20, 35. That is a weird annotation. Isn't it a weird annotation? Yeah. I mean, I appreciate the first sentence and the sort of taking it apart, the, um, the genteel poor and those the truly in poverty, because that is, I think, what we've been driving at with right. the March family versus the Alcott family. Right. You know, that the marches, it's just that she feels embarrassed that she's taken limes and hasn't given them back. Right. Rather than, like, not actually having it. Right. I mean, limes in any way are a luxury. But, so I guess the point of this, the, the thing that's making is that the moral point in this chapter that Lou is making is that Amy gets punished for not forgiving, basically. That Snow, Jenny Snow has been mean to her in the past. And so sure. Amy should, the like Christian quote unquote thing to do would be to just forgive her and give her some Give lime. her a lime. And especially since she At least give her a suck. I know. Well, and she's got a moist sack full of them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And she was going to dole them out. And the whole reason why she bought a giant bag of them is was because to was to give them away. Yeah. You know? To, yeah, to pay her debt. So, I don't know. Okay. Also, Lou uses the phrase bury the hatchet. Oh, yeah. Which is an expression, obviously, and mm -hmm. I, of course, know what it means, but there was an annotation about it, Tell which me. I thought was so interesting. So the expression comes from warring Iroquois tribes. Okay. That when they came to a peace resolution, they would literally bury their... Is that really true? Bury their hatchet. That's according to this annotation. Huh. And that the first time that this expression was used was by Samuel Sewell, who is infamously, according to the annotation, related to the Alcott family, and he's best known for being a judge with the Salem witch trial. <gasps> <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, uh-huh. But he's the first person who ever used that as an expression, or, huh. or in writing, that, huh. according to the annotation. Interesting. I was not I sort of had some sense that Barry the Hatchet was supposed to have something to do with Native people, but I always thought it was, like, probably just some made-up white people impression of what native people do. It was a warring Iroquois tribe, so it's like, you know, obviously there are different tribes that do different sure, things. Sure, sure, obviously. You know, yeah. so. Interesting. Uh -huh. Um, I really hate Amy's school, by the way. I hate that she's going to trade limes for the answers to certain appalling sums. It's like, they don't even care about learning in this school. No, they don't. Well, and, and there's actually, this was a long annotation about how this is Lou's critique of the educational system, which, right. well, so which one, they felt really gross about. They yeah. hated it. I mean, it says, Mr. Davis knew any quantity of Greek, Latin, algebra, and ologies of all sorts, so he was called a fine teacher. And manners, morals, feelings, and examples were not considered of any particular importance. I like yeah. that feelings makes the list. Feelings are not important. Feelings are important. Well, but then he later says the thing about how... Uh, women are horrible or men are bad enough but women are horrible oh, or something I know. like that 
No, Lou says that. That's not Mr. Davis. Yeah, boys are trying enough to hu- choose the human patient, goodness knows, but girls are infinitely more so. Yeah, and I wrote, Lou's sexism comes out. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who's just like, fucking Whoa. girl? Yeah. Whoa. Or yeah. self-hatred, or frustration about the binary, or... Whatever, but yeah, that's that's coming out of sexism. Yeah, it it, it, it sounds <laughs> like whatever it's coming from. That's how it's, yeah, that's how yeah, it's, it's, that's how it's coming out. Yeah, it's sexism. Also interested in or interesting the word for rule, which is yeah, was that in your copy? Rule for rule. Oh, F E R U L E. I think so. That just um, according to the annotation, it's an instrument used to switch or paddle students, which was called a ferrule rod. That's when he mm-hmm. when he, he hits her hand. He takes the ferrule. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. The ferrule rod, or he ferrules her. I can't remember uh-huh. if they used it as a as a noun or a, a verb. Oh my goodness! I know. I was just like, oh goodness, I didn't know anything about that. A ferrule rod. Oh, there was also a note about how you know the so Lou says the thing about how girls are infinitely worse, and then. Um, the teacher has sort of an affinity for Amy. He doesn't want to hit Amy, but then he hears someone hissing, and he's like, oh, well, now I've got to hit her. So Bullshit. But then he's, like, annoyed because his neuralgia, N-E-U-R-A-L-G-I-A, is, is, um, yeah, it's like a, it's like a nerve thing, which apparently Lou suffered from (gasps) most of their life. Oh, so Mm -hmm. Lou knew that that could really make Was really horrible, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's that's just like chronic pain. Yeah. Wow. I you don't even feel bad for Amy when she has to stand in front of the class in shame. You have a heart of stone. (laughs) It's not that I don't feel bad for Amy. To face the whole school with that shame fresh upon her seemed impossible. I thought that that was a little... For a second, she felt as if she could only drop down where she stood and break her heart with the, crying. The thing, that, the thing that I found absurd about that, because Amy is disgraced, she uses the word disgraced at that time, mm-hmm. and I think that what I find annoying about it at that point and later when she gets home with Marmy is that she feels disgraced because of the punishment. Mm-hmm. She has, is having no reflection upon her role in it. I know. And I that know. is what frustrates me. It's like, she's not thinking about, like, at all about how it ha- And so she's almost surprised when Marmy's like, I'm not sorry, you lost them. I know. You I know? know? And she's just like, oh, what? But I thought everyone was just going to coddle me because he lightly slapped my But hands. she thinks about it later. I think, I mean, I think that's, people are like that when something, you know, first you respond with defensiveness and then only after that sure. dies down do you sort of see your own role in it. I mean, I guess. So let's talk about the Irish children. Yeah, why do you hate those Irish children so much, Amy? Um, it's just like so, so such a throwaway line. So this book. is what it says in the text, and then I'll read the annotation. Their feast was being exalted over by little Irish children who were their sworn, sworn foes. foes. Okay. The annotation says, Over a million Irish immigrated to America during and after the Great Irish Potato Famine of 1845 uh-huh. to 1852. Many settled near the port, the port cities of Boston and New York. By 1853, almost 40% of Boston's population was Irish. Most of the immigrants were Catholic, poverty-stricken, illiterate, and unskilled, and thus were often the objects of discrimination, especially in New England, which was largely populated by Protestants of English descent. Alcott herself held the same prejudices (gasps) of the time about Irish. 
Here, the Irish children are unable to attend school because they are poor. Amy's school is a private one. Mm. So Lou basically just also hates Irish people. Yeah, which is so funny to me because there's this whole, like, holier-than-thou Christian doctrine that weaves through the entire story. Right. That, like, we need to love one another and we need to care for each other. They go to the Hummels and help them right, and they're right. impoverished. But Amy and Lou and the Alcots can't even notice that there are Irish people that are right. more poor, probably, right. and have less and are discriminated against. And they, she can't even feel good. Like, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, good, at least those kids are getting those, uh-huh. those lines. And they, they, need, they need something to, like, perk up their day more than you and your snotty little friends, mm-hmm. you know? Like, good. You should feel good about that. You shouldn't mm-hmm. feel like they're my Fuck sworn Irish foes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, God. It's just, yeah. It just made me feel sad like and the, gross. That the rich kids and the poor kids are, like, actively like the rich kids are like we hate those poor kids well and the whole premise of the book is that the the march family is poor and yet they clearly but they're they're poor but they have a heart of gold because they're like trying to help the hummels and they're trying to do all these other things but not really right well that's what you were saying about the genteel poor versus people actually in poverty they're not actually poor right I mean, comparatively. Yeah. And they have racial privilege. They have white privilege, oh, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Or ethnic privilege. Something like that. I read I read this book called The History of Whiteness. About, I think I've mm. talked to you about that before. Sure. About, like, the different ways that, like, who is considered white has changed over time. Sure. And also just, like, intra-white racism, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. that's I, And I think that that's part of the thing is, like, in the U.S., there's been this, like, shifting waves of racism against whoever is the most recent immigrants. So it was, like... Germans were horrible, and then there had been here for a while, so Germans were okay, and then Irish people came, and now Irish people are horrible. But it's all, like, was justified with the same, like, type of racial thinking that, like, anti-black racism is justified sure. with. Just all of, the, you know, like, head measurements and all of this, like, gross pseudo-biological stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they I'm sure Lou just, like, thought that Irish people were, like, physically, biologically inferior. Well, and I'm wondering, too, what's going on with, like, so we've talked about the Hummels who are German. We've talked about Lori who's half Italian. Mm-hmm. And I guess we need to know sort of the trajectory of like white acceptance right. at that time that like... I think Italian immigrants hadn't come much to the U.S. yet, so anti-Italian racism wasn't as big a thing. I'm not positive about that, but that's what I think. Well, and I also wonder... Well, I guess I don't know. I was going to say maybe Italian. Um, Italy was more of a wealthy country and therefore more acceptable. I mean, no, because anti-Italian racism was, like, a huge thing in the U.S. later. There was, like, like after Irish people had been, like, accepted into whiteness, Italians were excluded. Hmm. Okay. So I think, so I always noted that as weird that, like, Laurie is this aristocrat and he's half Italian, but I think that that's because there's, like, we're not at that wave of immigration yet. So, like, Laurie's mother was a rich Italian lady and there aren't, like, starving Italians. I don't Italians ever say that she's rich. But, I mean, she's married to Lori's father, so sure. at least she became rich when they got married. Sure, I guess. Because Lori's family is pretty fucking rich. Yeah, I guess. Um, I noticed that there were 50 kids in Amy's class, and I then felt kind of bad for Mr. Davis, because that sucks. Yeah, well, and I love Lou says half a hundred, and then later says 50. Mm-hmm. I, when I read half a hundred, I was like, why don't they just say 50? And then later they <laughs> said, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> you want your reader to do the math? All right, and then Amy gets sent home. 
I think it's really sweet the way that the family rallies around her. Oh, I love that they had an indignation meeting. <laughs> Wait, did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> An indignation meeting was held at once. And I, <laughs> when I read that, I was like, oh my God, why aren't my friends and I having indignation, indignation meetings? We're going to organize them. <laughs> love it. Every, love it. Pretty much like a lot, most of the time I would say when queer people get together, if they're not covered in glitter and dancing, then they're probably having an indignation, indignation meeting. meeting. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Uh, that was killing beatitude, beatitude, and indignation. Meeting. Indignation meeting. Things were taking from things that were bringing back. I love. I again, we see how the archetypes react. Meg bathes the insulted hand with glycerin and tears. Uh huh. Beth doesn't do anything because her beloved kittens won't even help. I know she, she, just, she, feels she bad. just can't even deal. And I love. I was noticing that Joe and Hannah both get angry, and I was thinking, are we drawing similarities between Joe's character and Hannah's character? Hmm. I don't know. Hannah doesn't really have a character. She's ignored in this whole Yeah, time. Hannah's a non-character character. Okay, so I did want to talk about this one quote. This is talking about Amy's feelings right before the indignation feeling. Oh, yeah. A meeting. It says, The proud and sensitive little girl suffered the shame and pain, which she never forgot. To others, it might seem as oh, ludicrous oh. or a trivial affair, but to her, it was a hard experience. For during the 12 years of her life, she had been governed by love alone, oh. and the blow of that sort had never touched her before. So that, to me, I underline that quote because I think that, to me, was illustrating more what you were trying to say earlier mm-hmm. in the beginning of the episode about how she's 12 and she's never yeah. really experienced that, blah, blah, blah. But she's also, she's still not taking responsibility for her part. I mean, there's some. She says, I, mean, she, I shall have 12. to tell it home. I shall have to tell it home and they will be so disappointed in me. Right? So she does sure. seem to feel, she's ex- at first she's expecting some negative reaction at home. She's afraid. She's ashamed. She's afraid they'll be disappointed. Well, are they going to be disappointed because she wasted the money? I mean, what, what do you think that she thinks? I think we're getting punished at school. She's ashamed of herself. Hmm. That's what I think so. Okay. Suffered a shame and pain. So she's feeling ashamed. Yeah, okay. Although she also fears a bitter sense of wrong. She feels both she both feels ashamed of herself and feels that she's being unfairly treated. Well, and I a little bit felt like Lou was calling me out on every reaction I was having when when they wrote to others it might uh, seem uh, a ludicrous and trivial affair. Because that's literally what I was saying. I was like, Ugh, Amy. Like Yeah, but she's a little kid. I know. That's what Lou's saying. I know. Blah yeah. blah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, here's another interesting thing. So when Joe goes to the school mm-hmm. to pick up uh, Amy's stuff, yeah, there's another Bible thing. Lou just loves weaving the Bible in. Lou's all about the Bible. Yeah, so it says, shook the dust of the place off Joe's feet, mm-hmm. right? And so here's the annotation. It says, Lou alludes to Jesus' command to his disciples to preach the word of God and how to react to those who will not hear it. Ooh. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Ooh, so Joe, Matthew shaking 10, off the dust of his feet is basically saying Fuck that you. Mr. Davis, well, and specifically that Mr. Davis will not hear the word of the gospel. 
right. Mr. Davis is like not and not good with Jesus Christ. Well, and it's also that that quote was so interesting to me because it's just like ooh, it made me feel all sorts of feelings about like sure. missionaries and stuff yeah. about how like I know what's right and you don't. Yeah, and therefore terrible. I should you know. Just and then you. if you won't hear me because you have a different belief, I'm gonna like write you off completely yeah. because clearly you won't You're hear like that, I, that yeah. I know what is right. You yeah. Know? But yeah. Anyway, that was interesting. There's also. Um, oh, there's a, Amy says something with the air of a martyr. Ugh, oh, I, know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, but there was an interesting, fascinating, quite long, but I'm going to read the whole thing, um, annotation about the Alcott family and how they dealt with punishment. Okay. So Bronson's method of punishment in the schoolroom, because Bronson had a school cool. for like four years before it closed, and then he had to sell everything out of shame, and it was this big deal. You know, and he had all these books that he loved and stuff. So anyway, so <laughs> Bronson's method of punishment in the schoolroom was described by Francis Bellow Sanborn in his reminiscence, The Alcotts. Punishment, he said, should never be inflicted except as a reminder. Taken in any other way, punishment was coarse and brutal. He recalled that one of the boys in Alcott's school was found guilty of some misdemeanor. Mr. Alcott called him up and after talking gently with the offender, gave him a ruler and bade him apply it to his teacher. The boy hesitated and drew back, but Mr. Alcott was firm. And the boy, after Whoa. administrating one or two faint blows, with a burst of tears, begged Mr. Alcott to beat him. <laughs> Anything, indeed, rather than that. Whoa. Whoa. That is heavy. That is heavy. Okay, so then it goes on. There's another story about punishment, unless you want to stop and talk about that one first. I'm, I'm just like, that's You're, some weird mind game. Right? It's really weird. I know, I read it, I was like, uh, that's a choice. Yeah, it's that's interesting. A I mean, it's cool that he didn't hit him, I guess. I mean, I guess, yeah. So, um, according to Anna's son, Anna is the Meg character, uh -huh. um, son John Pratt Alcott, in The Little Women of Long Ago, which is another book which we need to read, Bronson and Abigail also had a unique way of reprimanding their daughters, or children, I should say. For example, they never admonished the child openly or reproved them in one another's presence. If one of them did anything reprehensible, they wouldn't know that it had displeased their parents until they went to bed and found under their pillow a little note from mother and father discussing the fault committed Whoa. and hinting at a more desirable method of behavior. The children thought these things over at leisure and then sent back their replies and conclusions in the same quiet, unobserved way. That's pretty sweet. There was no chance for a flare of temper here, no opportunity to answer back, only a little silent contemplation of one's wrongdoings, and then an endeavor to express contriteness and an apology in writing. What a chastening of the spirit. I think that's sweet. That's sweeter than making the children, making hit, children you. hit you. <laughs> Which is just like a sort of wacky, like, yeah. psych out kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> I'm just going to make my children hit me when they're bad. Yeah. You, you've done this to me. <laughs> Look what you've this done to me. This is how you hurt me. <laughs> you make me. Your behavior makes me feel like you're beating me. Yikes. Uh, Not going to do that. That's bad. Yikes. But yeah, that's a um, choice. Whoa. I just wrote, whoa, Bronson annotation. So that's, uh, 
so that's what the Alcots would think was a good way of, of dealing with kids' behavior. So apparently, hitting them, maybe not they didn't hit way. them. Apparently, no, yeah. they wrote them little notes and left them under the pillows or made them hit them. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay. Also, I thought that it was weird that Marmy said that she needed to ask Father's advice before she decided what to do with Amy. Why? You run the show, Marmy. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Like, stop, Lou, you can stop, like, feigning that Father, father is involved is. or even a character, because yeah, it's like, why not. are you even saying that? Yeah. It felt so random to me, because he's such a non-character. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, in the beginning, you have to set up that he's away, but then, like, Anytime why... Anytime they mention him, I'm just like, Why perpetrate care. it? You know, it's just, like, yeah. perpetuate it. It's yeah. just stupid, you know? Okay, I also like that Marmy called um, Amy conceited. I took much joy in that. Mm-hmm. It's good. She needs to be told. Yeah. But then, Marmy says this, and I had so many feelings. In fact, so I wrote many, so, so many, many feelings. feelings. I can read it. Okay. So it says... There is not much danger that real talent or goodness will be overlooked long. Oh, I know. Bullshit. Even if it is, the consciousness of possessing and using it well should satisfy one. And the great charm of all power is modesty. (laughs) Tell me more. So many feelings. Yeah. For so many reasons. Name them. Enumerate them. Feeling. Feeling. Ugh. First of all, like saying that it's not much of a danger that real talent or goodness will be overlooked. Bullshit. Bullshit. But then immediately saying, even if it is, which Uh is like, that means that it will be, you know? (laughs) Like, Like, even if it is, then it'll be fine because you're a lady and so you have to be modest. Mm-hmm. You're a lady and so you don't get to you don't get but, to be boastful. But. You don't get to have things or go places or be successful. I you have to support. You have to be in a supporting role to your yes, man. Yes, but yes, but uh, um the next few paragraphs, Amy takes her example from Laurie. So it's I not know. just about being a woman and being modest. She's it's her example of someone who's doing it well is a dude. I know that, but it's also I mean the the sexism in this statement is so it's mm. dripping. It's dripping. I agree. It made me the thing that it made me think of when she said the thing about there's not much danger that real talent or goodness will be overlooked long. It made me think of um, an advisor I had in undergrad. So I'm a mathematician. And um, I had a real struggle with, like, having confidence in myself and math. Like, all the little, like, microaggressions that make, like, sexism and math makes it hard. I struggled a lot in school. Like, didn't, you know, never had friends to work with on homework. That kind of thing. Just sort of little things that make it hard. And I talked to um, the person who was supposed to be my advisor about, you know, how I wanted to go to graduate school, but I didn't really have the grades for it at that point and what I should do next. And he was, in his advice, he was sort of like, he said something, he said, talent will out. As sort of like, oh, you don't have to worry about what you do. Like, if you're really good at math, it'll just... It's such bullshit. It'll just happen. And it was, like, such bullshit. And I heard in that this implication, like, and I don't think you really are. You know? Because right. it's like, if, if quote-unquote, talent will out, then whatever challenges you're going through present no obstacle. And sure. And you would already... Like, if talent will out, I would already have been successful at that time with his meager help, you know? Right. Um, and in fact, like, I did end up going to a program for women in math, and, like, now I am in grad school. But, yeah, so I did... I, I think that's interesting that you noticed that as sexism, and, like, I was, like... 
I didn't see sexism in that experience, but it reminded me of another experience that I had that was clearly sexism. And so I think you're probably right. Well, and it idea. also, it also, I mean, classism too. I mean, it's oh, the, of course, of course, because it's just like real talent and goodness will not be overlooked long. That's not Bullshit. true. Yeah. That is not true. If yeah. you don't have access to the people yeah. and the means in order to get your talent, whatever it is out there, yeah. then your talent will be overlooked. It right. will be overlooked. That is just reality. You know, how do you think people like Jonah Hill are famous right now? It's because his fucking mother worked in Los Angeles and got him a job. I know because I went to college with him. And so he, yeah, he was a dumbass then and he's a dumbass now. He's not talented, Uh but it's because he knew people. Right, right. That's the only reason why he's famous. And there's a way that talented. That honestly, Amy is the pragmatist in this story, right? That like Marmy is all like, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen to you, sweetie. Like just just be good and everything will be fine. And Amy's like, no, I want to marry someone with money so I don't have to be poor anymore. Sure. And, like, and and sees that being able to maneuver in society and, like, pull those strings is her, you know, her way of having power in the world. Sure. Well, to me, the part that makes it more sexist yeah. is the modesty. I know. Is the, I like, know. then you have to be modest. It's gross. You know, even if you should just know that you're talented and then just be modest about it. To me, that's, like... So, like, stand totally, by your man. Totally. Like, you're feeding him all of the ideas, but he's the famous, successful one. Right. Well, you're and that's big, what... And that was so common. And that's probably, you know, Marmy's role in or, um Sure, which is why... And she's perpetrating... She's perpetuating it by saying, like, oh, I've got to ask Father what would you do with mm-hmm. Amy? You know, because I am i can't, like, make right. a decision on she's my own. She's running the fucking show. Even she though, like, yeah, father. you're yeah. doing everything. You yeah. don't need to ask his opinion. Mm-hmm. He's not fucking there. I agree. <sighs> Sorry, I hated that. I had so many feelings. I'm really it glad really that brought you, up I so really much appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Your you for feeling so long in this Thanks. podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, and then you, so you said uh, went on to say that, that she Lori was comparing sort of Lori, example. and then there was this quote that says, "Marmy says yes, he has an excellent education." And Why has, does he have an excellent education? And has. Much he's rich. and has much talent, and he will make a fine man if not spoiled by petting. So the part about petting aside, even though it's funny, like <laughs> let's the rest is like yeah. So when she's giving Laurie accolades, the first thing she says is he has a an excellent, an excellent education. education. Yeah. So that is he has access to yeah. It's a class thing, right? Yeah, education. And then, and he has much talent. Fine. Apparently, Marmy thinks anyone can that has talent can become successful, even mm-hmm. though she doesn't really think Good that. Fact. Yeah. And then he will make a fine man, whatever that, mm-hmm. whatever that, means. whatever that means. <sighs> Barf. Also, back to Marmy. Yeah. There's a line that she says, "I don't approve of corporal punishment, especially, especially for, for girls, because fuck boys, you know. Especially for girls, mm-hmm. little boys." Nah, just hit them. Who cares? Yeah, if you need, if you have to, not all the time, but like if they're really acting, just smack them. Yeah, fuck boys. <laughs> it's just like, Oy. it's sad. Come on, especially for girls. I know. Why? And that to me is again, that's Lou perpetrating sexism. Yeah. Perpetuating. perpetuating. Why do I keep? On... You just want to say perpetrate today. I don't know why. Okay, I think that's all I have. <sighs> I had a lot of notes about this chapter because I had so many feelings. Thank you for deepening my relationship to this chapter. <laughs> um, all right, in conclusion, school is the worst, Meg is the best, Amy has ups and downs, and we're really glad those Irish children got those lines. 
I am so glad they got lines those for lines. Irish people. You know what? I'm going to make us three lines. We're going to find two Irish people. <laughs> we're going to give two of them away. And you and I could share one. Perfect. <laughs> I'm actually Irish. Does that help? Oh, great. So I only have to make two. One for me and one for you. No, we should we should share. We should find someone we else. We should find all our Irish friends. Austin is Irish. Okay. Anyway. Thanks for listening to Queering Little Women. <laughs> uh, join us next time um, for episode 8, chapter 8. Joe meets... Apollyon. Great. Thanks for pronouncing that's that That's how me. it's pronounced in the Harry Potter ad- audiobook. Anyway, oh. So that's why I said that. Do they talk about Pilgrim's Progress in that No, too? there's just somebody whose name is Apollyon Pringle. Oh, anyway, Pringle. join us next week for uh, Chapter 8, Joe Meets Apollyon. If you want to contact us or talk to us or engage with us or be a guest or have any insights about be- Beatitude. Um, or Beatitude. Or... You want to talk about, you have some suggestions? If you have some suggestions about Little Women, we are the people. <laughs> we want to talk about that a yeah. lot. Um, you can reach us at queeringlittlewomen at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Are you laughing thinking about me being Amy? I don't know. <laughs> I love you thinking about that people are having to listen to us have this conversation. Kyla can edit this part they, No, she's going to love it. Kyla okay. loves it when we don't make any sense.